capital campaign fundraising as we move through and hopefully out of the worldwide pandemic. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school and I'm joined today by Dr. Aaron Conley. Aaron Conley runs his own national fundraising consulting firm while also serving on the faculty of the fundraising school. And Aaron, thanks so much for being back with us on the fundraising schools podcast. Thanks, Bill. Glad to be here. Now, one area of considerable expertise that you have centers around capital campaign fundraising. When the pandemic started, we recorded a couple of podcasts on that topic. But now as we're into the second year of the pandemic, what are some of your thoughts uh, on fundraising regarding capital campaigns uh, as we're still dealing with the pandemic and hopefully, though, the final stages of this pandemic moving forward? Well, the pandemic threw a, a wrench into a lot of organizations' plans um, that were looking at going into campaigns. And, you know, as we move forward into um, post-pandemic, post, uh, um, hopefully, uh, we'll start to see more research and more evidence on what the impact has been. The one um, study that, that uh, was done during the course of the pandemic in 2020, was, it was a really insightful series of surveys that a consulting firm, CCS, did in the spring, summer, and fall. And uh, they specifically asked questions about campaigns and very few organizations abandoned campaigns. I thought it was really insightful that places may have put a pause on it. They may have delayed the launching of the public phase of the campaign, but most of them over the course of that, those three surveys said that they were continuing. And then they did another survey that came out in January. And what I really was saw encouraging that was over 55% of the thousand plus uh, respondents to that survey said that they were planning to kick off, restart, or continue a campaign that had already gotten underway. So I think campaigns are safe, um, you know, to to continue to move into as we go through the pandemic. The key thing is following those key campaign principles um, as you go into the campaign. Things may have changed, you know, in terms of donor preferences. Maybe some donors that were giving to organization might have shifted their preferences to another organization. During the, during the pandemic, but making sure that you're really in tune with your top prospective donors, what kind of condition are they in, and are you still very engaged with them is the most important thing if you're thinking about going into a campaign as we come out of the pandemic. Aaron Conley teaches the Capital Campaign Fundraising course for the Fundraising School. He also has authored the chapter on Capital Campaign Fundraising in our school's textbook, Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, currently out in its fourth edition. And Aaron, you know, through all of that teaching for us, you emphasize the importance of planning, that a lot of planning has to happen before we implement a capital campaign. And part of that planning is talking to our donors, especially those donors who would make those larger lead gifts, maybe even before the campaign goes public. So I'm just trying to envision being a fundraiser, having that conversation with those lead donors, as we're coming out of this pandemic and those donors have been doing a lot of COVID related donating, what does that conversation look like now in the context of planning for a capital campaign? Well, it's always good to have those open lines of communication with, with your top donors. And, and the mistake that you see in a lot of cases is, is, um, is, is based on wishful thinking. I mean, people think that they know how their donors are doing and what, what kind of situation they're in or how they're feeling about the organization. But in a lot of cases, those, those can be very unfounded. And so the most important thing is to have an open line of communication and be engaged with these people. If you're having trouble getting to them, that may actually be a sign that maybe you're not you know, quite as close to them as you think that you are. But we know from, from so much research on campaigns that 
the top donors, you know, are going to provide between one and five percent of all the do um, all the donations that come in during the course of the campaign. And so, for organizations that haven't done campaigns before, you know, it's easy to focus on trying to get the word out to everybody. But the focus, you know, should always be on those top donors. How are they doing? How are they feeling about our organization? And some things that are really positive. Um, for moving into a campaign is we know that giving in this country tracks economic markets. So if you did an overlay of charitable giving, like the Giving USA every year and laid over the S&P 500 performance, it roughly tracks. And we know that the S&P and the other economic markets have actually been doing quite well. There was the dip, of course, in the spring of last year, but they've more than recovered. And over the last three years, the S&P has been up nearly 30%. So for those people that have accumulated assets, um, maybe in retirement plans, or if they're just high net worth individuals, most of them are gonna be feeling pretty good about their, their finances. And that's something that, that, that organizations should take into consideration so that they plan with confidence that people probably are doing pretty well and you could have a conversation with them about a, a significant lead gift to get the campaign underway. And again, those lead donors, uh, Aaron, just to clarify, they might make about 5% of the gifts but the total dollars donated through the 5% of gifts could be 60, 70, even more percent of the total of the campaign, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so again, keep uh, people to be talking to. What, how do you think the U.S. savings rate ties into the timing of capital campaigns right now? We're hearing that the savings rate, which was at about 5% before the pandemic, is now at 20 or 25% that Americans have as much as $4 trillion in savings accounts. Uh, and when the pandemic ends, that's no longer seen as income. That's now seen as wealth because right. I don't need it as an emergency fund anymore now that the pandemic has ended and hopefully the economy is stronger again. Uh, I would think at a very simple level that could bode well for capital campaign fundraising and other types of major gift fundraising. How do you see that? Yeah, I'm, so I should state I'm not an economist, but right. I do follow people like Dr. Patrick Rooney. They're at the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. And and others, and just tracking the importance of economic indicators. And so savings rates, I did notice that during the pandemic, they went up because a lot of people, you know, we weren't traveling and we weren't doing the kind of things that we were spending our discretionary income on. Also, debt levels dropped. People paid down a lot of debt. Was, so these are all really good signs um, for, you know, the people that can probably make our campaign successful. Where it will hurt is after a campaign goes public and you start shifting to soliciting larger, broader audiences. You know, there's still a lot of people hurting out there. People that might've been able to give $100 or $50 every year, some people may not be able to do that. Uh, but again, it's those, it's those top donors that really drive the success of the campaign. And yeah, savings rates and amounts of debt, these are all indicators that are showing it may be a good time to have those conversations about moving forward with the campaign. That's a great point, Aaron. And, and again, at the fundraising school, we do emphasize all gifts matter, regardless of size, especially when we're talking about that annual fund. Uh, in the capital campaign, again, those top donors tend to lead whether or not we're going to be able to reach that finish line in a successful way. What about the plan itself, the comprehensive plan that's being funded? Uh, some fundraisers, very sincerely and for very legitimate reasons, might have concerns that they're, they're maybe being off note, that they're not still being sympathetic to the pandemic or the end of the pandemic. 
by you know launching this three to five year very forward looking plan that may or may not be directly tied to the pandemic or the pandemic's effects. Right. What advice do you have for fundraisers in that context? So I do a lot of work in the education sector, and that's a great example where you know education was certainly impacted, but a lot of the giving got shifted to immediate human needs. So food banks, Red Cross, Salvation Army, and things like that. And so for education institutions and others, others like that, you know, last year in 2020, a lot of them did pull back on um, a lot of institutions were actually getting ready to launch a campaign publicly. They'd been in the silent phase for a number of years, but they were concerned about that perception. And so they continued in their silent phase of the campaign. But what you're now seeing is quite a few universities and colleges and other schools and educational institutions are actually announcing the launch of the public phase of their campaign. I've, I've noticed several this spring, and I know of several more that's going to be launching in the summer. So I think that concern has passed. You know, people, people decide where they want to give. And for a lot of people, they did support those, those causes that were uh, supporting, um, you know, just wide-scale human needs. And hopefully people will continue supporting those. But I think it is time that people are coming back to things like the performing arts and the fine arts and environmental causes, you know, the kind of things that aren't directly tied to the pandemic, um, but they are things that are important to people. And if they feel like they, there is a compelling need, a compelling case for support, then, um, then they will come back to support those, in it, whether it's in a campaign or not. And Aaron, you know, part of this planning phase is it's okay to say no to a campaign or it's okay to say not yet to a campaign if we're hearing this from a large number of donors consistently, right? Right. And that's where the value of, of having an external partner comes into play. I'm not advocating, you know, since I am a consultant, but this is one of the benefits of having an objective third party come in and talk to your lead donors to get that sort of an unbiased perspective and ask, you know, how do you feel about how the organization, especially how, how do you feel about how it performed during, um, during the pandemic? And, you know, what kind of opportunities do you think there are moving forward? Getting that, getting that um, objective advice can really be helpful. And especially like you said, sometimes the feedback is maybe you're not ready for a campaign or maybe you're not as ready as you thought you were. And here's the steps that you can take over a specific period of time to get in a position to, to move forward with a, with a campaign in a formal way. And just to amplify that point for our audience, you know, folks, your donors trust you, they appreciate you, but even then they may say something to an outside consultant that they don't want to say to you directly. So that, as Aaron said, is a huge value of bringing in an outside third party to help consult with on the design and implementation of a campaign. Aaron, one other question here as we think about, you know, comprehensive campaigns, hopefully coming out of the pandemic here, is somebody might make a pledge, a three-year pledge, a five-year pledge, very optimistic about the economy, and maybe the economy in their own economic situation didn't come back quite as quickly as they had hoped and they, they need to pause. Maybe they need to wait an extra year, uh, you know, something along those lines. Um, you know, a, a pledge is irrevocable. A pledge is a contract and we can hold our donors to that. But of course, we don't want to be that heavy handed with the folks who are supporting our cause. What advice do you have in case that donor says, hey, I need to put a pause on year two of my pledge and, and maybe catch up in year three? What does that look like as the campaign unfolds? So you should always, in, in almost every case, be as flexible as possible and work with your donors. The, 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 the sticking point could potentially be if it's a pledge for something, you know, that's, that's just absolutely critical that is already in motion, like a capital project, like an actual building, you know, construction is underway and you're counting on these pledges to come in because you've got contractors to pay. Um, the key there is this is why it's so important in your planning 
when you're doing your your uh, your 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 gift range table that shows the number of gifts that you need at different levels, always make sure you've got enough potential donors at those levels. So you're not relying on an incredibly small pool of donors, because if this does happen and that's the only donor at that level, one of the upper levels, then you're putting your organization at serious risk for not just you know being able to successfully complete a campaign, but the completion of whatever project that campaign. Is, is attempting to undertake. So always try and have as, as deep of a, of a potential donor pool at each of those levels to avoid those kind of things really having a serious impact on your organization's finances. Dr. Eric Conley has a wide range of fundraising expertise, including on this topic of comprehensive campaign fundraising. And you can take a deeper dive uh, in the Fundraising Schools course on capital campaign fundraising, which is part of our certificate in fundraising management. That course is being taught in person and even more so as the pandemic hopefully is entering its final season amongst us. And the course is also available in online settings as well. That's true of all of our courses, which are still available at a 50% discount through our crisis response scholarships. We also have these free podcasts. We have quarterly webinars. We also have custom training on comprehensive campaign fundraising and all of the topics in our menu of subjects. Uh, and custom training can come straight to your nonprofit, your region, your association. All of that is available online at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. Our producers today are Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. With Dr. Aaron Conley, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. And now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Thank you.